0: Let's read together. Um, the text for tonight is Ephesians 6:18 through20. Um, if you need a Bible, in the pew in front of you, it's going to be on page 979. Ephesians 6:18 through 20. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Okay. So preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about my own life of evangelism. I was thinking about some times that I would uh, have a chance to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a family member or a stranger or a friend. And something happens from time to time as I do this. I wimp out or back out. Just um, a month ago, I was, I was going to a wedding. I was on a road trip, stopped at McDonald's with a few friends. We went in there, the place was deserted. And there was uh, someone taking our order at the cash register. And I could tell she was friendly and she wanted to talk. And it would have been such an easy opportunity for me to share with this person about Jesus. And for some reason, I just didn't. I just got in the car and left and remember thinking, man, I missed a perfect opportunity. Why did I miss that opportunity? And I wonder if any of you ever share that experience. If you miss your shot, and you feel guilty or you feel condemnation because you weren't able to share when you had the opportunity to share. And this passage helps address that situation. We're going to need this passage if we're not going to miss our opportunities, Paul wants to change our hearts so that we would respond rightly to the opportunities that God has given us. And my point isn't to beat anyone up and let you feel guilty over this because Jesus' blood forgives us even when we fall short and don't share. Instead, the point is that Jesus also gives us the power to share. So I want us to all feel that way and I want us to feel all, all feel like we have confidence and eagerness to take the opportunities that God has given us. So let's move there, our text for this evening. So the sermon that I preached two weeks ago lets us know that we're in the context of spiritual warfare right now. There's a war going on between God and his enemies and our hearts are the battlefield. We're caught right in the middle of it. And Paul's point is that you need prayer to fight against Satan and his enemies. And also you need prayer if you're going to free other people from Satan. You don't really do anything without prayer. So a prayerless life is a powerless life and it's a life that doesn't make an impact in the spiritual warfare for God. So my main takeaway today that I want you to remember and that I want you to walk away with, is each of us needs to pray for boldness to preach Christ. I think we can all remember that. We need to pray for boldness to preach Christ. So if we look at verse 18, it says that we would pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, we would keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for the saints. And honestly, I really wanted to talk a lot about what praying in the Spirit is, but we don't get to get to that this evening. You're going to have to listen to the podcast if you want to know what that means. Instead, we're going to jump ahead to verses 19 and 20, and we're going to talk about what those verses say, which is what Paul wants prayer for, that we, he would pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, point one is we must pray. Now, Paul focuses on himself, that he would get the power to proclaim the gospel, and even he wants to start with prayer. Because God is sovereign, and he is not. So if, if you understand what's going on, that God is sovereign and you are not, you will pray. Because you've received a mission from God to turn other people away from their sin into God. And you can't do that. God has given you a mission that you can't do. That's the starting point for the text. There's nothing you can do to turn someone's heart from Satan to God. Listen to this mission that God assigns to Paul in Acts 26. And since we're disciples like Paul is, this is our mission as well if any of us are trusting Christ. And as you hear this mission, I want you to think and feel, do you really have the ability to do this? Believer, your mission is to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you feel like you can do that? And if you don't, you're in exactly the right place. So I once heard a pastor share this analogy about evangelism and I want to share it with us. So let's say God gives you a mission right now. He says, I want you to go to the cemetery on C- right by Cedar Avenue and Lake Street, a couple, couple blocks away, and I want you to raise some people from the dead. Here's your shovel. Go, go over there. Go over there and raise some people from the dead. That's what I want you to do. And I want to ask you, what kind of person would you take with you to do that? Think for a moment. Who would you ask to come with you to go to the seminary to raise, cemetery, not seminary, to raise someone from the dead? Maybe you bring a really compelling and emotional speaker with you. Because, man, if someone could just really cry and, and say it well enough, then, then someone would get up out of the grave, Right? With, Would that work? I don't think that would work. Okay. So I'll tell you what, maybe what you're going to do. Maybe, maybe you'll bring a really good worship band with you to the cemetery. Like if you had a good enough worship band, then maybe people will get up out of the grave. Maybe then you could fulfill your mission. I don't think that's going to work either. Okay. Maybe if you brought the coolest young adults intern you could find with you, then it would work because you'd have such a good, cool program that it would raise someone from the dead. And we can see that that just wouldn't work either. Okay, but what if, what if there was a king who was so powerful that his words can make dead people come alive? wouldn't you bring someone who could talk to that king with you? Wouldn't you find that king's best friend and say, man, I want you to come with me so that we can get this king to make these people come to life? Or better yet, wouldn't you try to be the person who knew the king? Would you stop worrying so much about how well you can talk? how well you can sing, how well you can connect with people, and whether or not you have a relationship with the person who brings people back to life. Doesn't that change once you put it into perspective? And in our situation, there is a man named Jesus who can spiritually raise people from the dead, which is what our goal is, what our mission is, because Ephesians said that we are dead in our sins and trespasses until we meet Christ. And we're sent to resurrect them. And we're every bit as powerless to do that as you would be to go to that cemetery over there. So we must talk to King Jesus. That is why I want to make this emphasis that if we will do evangelism, friends, we must pray. And that's why Paul starts with prayer. Paul, the best evangelist to ever live the person who almost evangelized the entire known world, bringing people from numerous different cultures into a relationship with Jesus, said, I need you to pray for me. And I just wonder, how much your heart craves prayer, how much we understand our dependence and need for God to pray, if any of us are going to do anything of eternal significance in the lives of other people, I want you to do things of eternal significance in the lives of other people. So I want you to pray. Prayer is not primarily preparation for ministry and evangelism. Prayer is the first work of ministry and evangelism. And church, friends, we must pray if we are going to see people come to Jesus. I want us to see people come to Jesus and so I want us to pray. Let's move on to point two. We must speak with boldness. So if Jesus is the one bringing people to life and it's not us, it's not our techniques, it's not the cool things we say, then we should probably just sit back and let him do it, right? Like we just pray and then I just sit and watch and wait. And just sit there and Man, Jesus, when are you going to bring someone to life? When are you going to do the miracle? That's not what Paul says is happening at all. This is what he says. Take a look at verse 19 and 20. So pray also for me that words would be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul asks, not that God would rescue people without Paul's involvement. He prays that God would use him as his instrument to rescue other people. Do You see the difference? You can ask that God would use his power but not use you. Or you can ask that God would use his power through you. And he doesn't want you to pray the first prayer. We don't see anyone praying that prayer in the Bible. And so if you think you can pray and sit on the sidelines, that's not what you're being invited to do. This text is inviting you to pray that God's power would flow through you to make you an instrument of God's strength. So God's power, he wants to use his power to bring people back to life. And he wants to use you as his spokesperson to proclaim that message. His people opening their mouths and telling other people the message about Jesus Christ is the way he wants to bring people back from the dead. And I know this, as soon as I start to talk about this, probably the biggest hindrance that's coming up in your mind is that many of you feel inadequate to share this message with other people. Do you feel like you don't know how to do this well? Do you fear that if you do it, you're going to mess it up and say the wrong thing? Does that keep you from sharing this message? That you're afraid you won't do it well? What that shows is that we don't quite understand how God works. Because the point of this passage is that the power is not in you. The power is in the person and it's in the message. And so prayerfulness and boldness to proclaim Jesus show that you're hoping in God rather than yourself to change other people. Prayerlessness and fear of sharing Jesus shows that you're hoping in not God, that maybe you're hoping in yourself to change other people. And so if you're really trusting God's power, like if you believe he can do it, A pattern of prayer and boldness will show that. So this confidence in God, according to this text, manifests itself in talking boldly about Jesus. That's why Paul mentions boldness twice. So why do we declare Jesus boldly? Because it doesn't come down to whether we are clever enough or smarter enough or winsome enough to make Jesus clear to someone, but that the clear message of Jesus is what God uses to save someone. So it's not how cleverly it's stated. It's not how humorous or how, power or how emotional or how it connects with someone. God saves people through the message when you make Jesus clear. That's what it means to proclaim Jesus boldly. Are you making it clear to other people what they must do? what they must believe. Boldness does not look like brashness, arrogance, or rudeness. That is something that people have done in the past. That could be something that I have done in the past. That could be something you could hear this text and wrongly apply it. Boldness looks like humility and gentleness and concern yet with a firm confidence that the message you are saying is the message that someone else needs more than anything else in the world. Boldness means you understand how deep your need is for the message and how deep someone else's need is for the message. Think about this for a moment. Pretend that one of your best friends had done something really bad, like really bad so bad that they were sentenced to death in the state of Minnesota and they were sitting on death row for what they had done. You go to the governor's office and you say, Governor, would you please pardon my friend who I love? I really don't want this friend of mine to die. And the governor says to you, okay, I'll pardon your friend as long as they come to me and say that they're sorry for what they did, and ask for my forgiveness. In fact, why don't you go, and tell your friend what I just told you. And you go to the prison, and you find your friend. Now what would be the way you would share that message with them? It wouldn't be pride. You wouldn't strut around the prison and be like, hey, hey, look what I did. But it also wouldn't be timidity. It wouldn't be a lack of confidence you would do everything in your power to get your friend to understand what he or she has to do in order to live. You would try to overcome every objection. Maybe, they don't, maybe they're doubting what you're saying. You would say, no, this is what you have to do to live. Like even, And even if you like had a speech impediment or like you were really bad at talking, you would still go and tell them, wouldn't you? Like, there'd be literally no disability or no deficit or no inability that would keep you from going and sharing that with your friend if you had that conversation with the governor. And what we need to realize is we're all in that same situation. God has entrusted to you as a follower of Jesus the message that can save other people. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter how short how short you feel like you fall of what an ideal evangelist looks like? I mean, you know what they need to know to live. And that's just going to be something that you just tell them. Even if you don't feel like you're qualified to do it. Even if you feel like someone else would do a better job. Because all of you in this room know people that you will be the only person who will ever share Jesus with them in their lives. There are people you know who will never hear the message that they need to hear more than any other message if you do not tell them. You have friends that Billy Graham will never meet, that John Piper will never meet, that I will never meet, and you say it in a way that no one else will say it. And sometimes the way that you say it God will use to make the difference. We all hear so much about the preacher Charles Spurgeon. Has anyone ever heard the story of how he became a Christian? He showed up to a church service. The pastor didn't show up that day. Some guy stands up, doesn't even know how to preach, just keeps repeating the verse over and over again. I can't even remember what verse it is, but it was something along the lines of, you must believe in Jesus to be saved. He says that over and over 20 times. God uses it. Saves one of the greatest evangelists to ever live. If you don't share with someone, it isn't because you think you're unable to do it. It's actually because we don't believe God can do it. That's where, who, if he does the work, then we must share because we trust him to do it. And the point three that I want to make is we must speak the gospel. I want to clarify the message that we're called to proclaim. I want to make it crystal clear. I think that many of us actually struggle to explain the message of the gospel when we're asked to do it. We know what it is. We've heard it a million times. Okay, now the spotlight's on you. Say it in a few seconds. Uh. It's hard. It's often hard when you feel like you're on the spot to say something, even if you know it very well. Listen to what Paul calls it in verse 19. He says, And pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. What is the mystery of the gospel? Here is my, the simplest way that I can put it I'm going to put in six words. Feel free to remember this. Feel free to write this down. God rescues sinners who trust Jesus. God rescues sinners who trust Jesus. That's the simplest way I can put the message that we're called to proclaim. Where am I getting this from? If we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So an ambassador is a representative of one kingdom to another kingdom who comes to bring peace between those kingdoms and maintain peace between those kingdoms. In our case, we're rebels by birth against God's kingdom. Every one of us. None of us were born at peace with God and his ways. And so the only way that we are going to have peace with God is if an ambassador comes to us and makes peace with us. And the same thing for all the people you know in your lives. The only way that they are going to have peace with God is if an ambassador comes to them and shares with them the message of peace that creates unity between those two kingdoms. And according to this verse, the message of peace is that Christ brings reconciliation between sinners and God. That's what Paul says is the ministry of an ambassador. Or to put it another way, God rescues sinners who trust in Jesus. This is the message that we have to declare to unbelievers. This is the only message that will save an unbeliever. We must declare to them that Christ has died in their place for their sins and rose rose from the dead again. So we must proclaim what Christ has done. And we must proclaim what they must do. Put their faith, put their hope, put their confidence, put their trust in Jesus. That's what the good news is in a nutshell. It is what Christ has done and a response, what we must do. And what we must do is hope in him instead of ourselves. That is the message that we must share with other people. And I want to be very clear about something. Especially in our church where we emphasize doing good works in our missional communities. which I love. I love that we do good works. Our good works are not the message. They point to the message Any amount of doing good works, no matter how far we go, will never bring someone to Jesus. The word Paul uses to describe the gospel is a mystery. That means no one's going to figure out unless someone tells it to them and makes it clear to them. I want you to serve people. I want you to serve the homeless. I want you to serve the poor. I want you to serve your family and your friends. But please remember that the most loving thing that you can ever do to another human being is to remind them or tell them that they need to hope in Jesus Christ to be saved. You could die for someone else. And that would be less loving than telling them that they need to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. May we pray for the boldness to share that with other people. How interesting that it's no different now than it was back then. That there's always pressure to remain silent about the most important message that human beings need to hear. None of us goes around sharing this gospel, sharing this message as a matter of habit. Not even Paul. Which is why, friends, we must pray for the boldness to share this message. Why we must make this a priority of ours. And I think one of the biggest concerns that we have today is that we will sound arrogant if we tell someone else that our truth is right and their truth is wrong. Does anyone else feel that tension? Our culture says that it's arrogant if you tell somebody that the truth you believe in is right and their truth is wrong. Therefore, We must make the point that we are only beggars showing other beggars where the bread is. We did not buy the bread. We did not earn the bread. Someone else told us where to find it, and it gave us life. And we're just desperate for other people to live too. Do you see how that's actually not arrogant? How that's loving? If you find the source of life, you actually need to share that with other people. That's how we get around that thought that when the world says you must be silent because you are arrogant, we say we have found where life is and we are compelled to share it with other people. And unbelievers who are here who have not trusted in Jesus yet, I just want to remind you right now that this message is for you. That Christ Jesus died for your sins. That was the most important event that ever happened in anyone's life. And if you put your hope in him instead of in yourself and say, I trust Jesus to be perfect where I have failed. I trust that when he died, he bore the penalty for all the imperfections and sins I committed. He would forgive you at that very moment and welcome you into his family. He would make you spiritually alive and one day he would resurrect your body his, your body, to life forever with him. This, best, this great news that I'm talking about is for you. There isn't a single person in this room this message isn't for if you believe it. So just come to him. And I know, I know that some of you feel an ache and a loneliness in your soul right now who aren't following Christ, this world is not adding up and measuring to be enough for you? Do you know why that is? Because your Creator made you for Himself. None of us are ever going to be happy until we are with the Creator who made us for Himself. Jesus is the only way to get to the person you were meant to be with. This isn't some theoretical, religious thing. This is like the most important thing to any of us any day. None of us will feel right. None of us will feel secure. None of of us will feel the love we need to feel until this message becomes a message we believe in, or even more than that, until this person becomes a person that we believe in. So friends... Who have not believed in Jesus, please come to Him. And those who have, let us pray for the boldness to share Him with other people. I want to talk a little bit about how we can experience the power to proclaim Christ meaningfully and compellingly to others. I just wanted to list some of the top five reasons why we don't share Jesus with other people, and I struggle with a lot of these myself. These are five reasons why we remain silent. Reason one, fear of others. We don't want to suffer their approval or lose face. Two, fear of failure. We don't believe we will do a very good job. Three, fear of discomfort. We don't want to ruin a comfortable conversation or relationship. That one's for you Minnesotans. Four, apathy. Our hearts are cold to the eternal fate of others. Five, deflecting responsibility. It is someone else's job or gifting. So all these fears and misunderstandings, they come down to the same thing. We oftentimes don't understand who we are we misunderstand who God has made us to be. When Jesus died on the cross, he gives you his purity from sin and forgives you, but he also gives you his identity as ambassador. He came as an ambassador to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. When you read the Gospels, don't you see that phrase come up over and over and over again? That was his identity. He was God's appointed ambassador to earth. And when you enter into a relationship with him, he says, you are now an ambassador with me. My identity as ambassador is now your identity as ambassador. And when we understand this, when we pray, Father, help me to understand and live out of my identity as an ambassador, then all of a sudden we feel the power not to be a slave to our fear any longer. All of a sudden, when you recognize that Jesus has said to you, I want you to care for other people's souls by sharing with them the message that can save them, do you start to care about other people's souls. Only when you understand that God has said, I have put you here to share this message with this person, are you willing to take the step to make that conversation less comfortable. Because it's who you are. It's who God has made you to be. And none of us are going to live like that and be reminded of that unless we pray. So both by praying in preparation in the morning for your day, And by praying, when you have the opportunity to share Jesus with someone else, will you have the power to live out of that identity? So I want us to each have the experience of Acts 4.29. This is a powerful verse that has impacted me. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. How sweet that we could have the same thing as the early church. God didn't stop working that way. If we're serious about praying for the kind of boldness that the early church had, we will experience the same kind of power they had and be able to speak to other people in the way that they spoke. And look at those verses. It was threats. It was fear that was tempting them to be silent. Jesus can make us fearless. Jesus can make us courageous in the face of fear. So let us pray for that boldness. Now I want to briefly encourage you um, how I want you to live differently. So if you remember from the beginning of my sermon, I talked about the fast food worker that I had the chance to share with and I didn't. Now the reason I think I didn't is because my heart wasn't prepared. When I don't prepare my heart, the reasons that keep me from sharing are are all of a sudden that much bigger. I'm vulnerable to them. I'm not living out of my identity as an ambassador. So what would it look like for me to prepare my heart to share? Here's a prayer, an example prayer I would invite you to include in your morning devotions. Lord, I ask you to remind me this morning that you are the king who is worthy of all worship. And you have appointed me, weak as I am, to be your ambassador I confess to that I do not often feel this and ask that you would change my heart to feel this way would you please put someone in my path today perhaps a friend I already know or a stranger you would lead across my path help me to discern this opportunity and help me to boldly share I feel like this preparation, this being ready to share, is going to make a giant difference in your life of evangelism. Consider, for example, a real-life ambassador. Think about the ambassador to China. He's from America. He's invited to a state dinner. He shows up there. He sits down, and he's asked to share about America. And he goes, I don't have anything prepared. I don't know what to say oh my gosh. Like, that would never happen, would it? Like, if that's who he is and what he's supposed to do, he would be ready to share in that moment. He would have prepared. And someone far better than the President of the United States has made you his ambassador. Are you ready to prepare for the job that he's given to you? Are you ready to boldly do what he's asked you to do. So since I started preparing for this message, I have been convicted that I need to share the gospel with more people. I don't do it enough. And one thing that helps me is carrying around a track. Has anyone ever seen one of these before? They take a lot of heat for some reasons, People don't like these. I like these. And I need to get a new one. These ones are kind of weird. They got like a really weird picture of Jesus on them. And, and, and it's not clear enough, but it's the ones I had in my closet. And so, and so I started walking around with these the last few days in my back pocket. And there have been a few chances where the Lord has given me an opportunity to share with someone. And for some reason, when I have this piece of paper to hand to someone, I feel like ten times more confident. Explain that to me? I don't know. Maybe I need to see a psychologist. But I, I give I this to someone at the gas station, and I, and I actually apologize for the picture on the front. I said, There's this really weird picture on the front, but this is just something that I want you to have. And, and, and he takes it, and, and we start talking and connecting, and I was just able to encourage him a little bit. He goes to another church, and, and it, was a, it was a good conversation. Someone else overheard me talking to him. And I got I got into my car, and all of a sudden I hear this this knock on the window. And, and this guy he 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 looks a little intimidating. And I, and it's nighttime. I open my door and he says, "Hey man, can, can I? Here's ten bucks. Can you give me a ride home?" And I was like, "Okay, get in." So. <laughs> so so we get in the car and and we're driving home, and. And I, I, I just felt this boldness. I'd I just been at the gas station trying to share. And, and I get to have this guy in the car. I just start asking him questions. And I get an opportunity to share with him about how Jesus loves him. And about how he died for him. About how he needs this message. And and he didn't repent on the spot. He didn't break down and weep and cry. Or say, I'm, well he did say I'm coming to your church. He didn't come. But, but, but I... I remember driving home feeling like, Lord, I was, I was used by you as your, as your representative. And I don't know what you're going to do in this man's life. I hope, I hope you're going to save him. I hope you're going to bring him to yourself. But just, just find something for you that works to remind you of your identity. Me, it's a little piece of paper in my back pocket. Maybe I'll find something better, or maybe I'll get a better one. And, and if you want help getting some of these, I can, I can, help, I can help you find some. Um, too. But the example I shared was really lone wolf evangelism. That was me off on my own. None of you guys would have known I ever did that unless I told you. And that's not really the evangelism we see in the New Testament. So I want you to do that, but I don't want you to do only that. I want you to do it with your brothers and sisters and when you're off on your own. I want us to develop a culture of evangelism. And what I mean by that is that it is a topic we talk about with one another. Like if you're sharing the gospel with someone, would you please tell your brother and sister about it so that they can pray about it with you? So that they can follow up with you and ask you about it? And maybe, just maybe, you would say to them, man, I'm going to go meet up with this person. Would you come with me? I don't want to do this alone. I want you with me while I'm ministering with this person. I feel like... I was helpful to that person in the car. I don't feel like I was nearly as helpful as I would have been if I had a brother or sister with me to also share with that person. Your MCs and your DNAs are perfect places for you to find people to talk with and pray with about the work of evangelism. And, and also our MCs exist for the whole, this is the sake. This is the whole point of why we serve other people in our communities. So we go out and we serve brothers and sisters and we love brothers and si- people who aren't brothers and sisters yet so that we can have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. I shared this with my MC. Remind yourself of this every week. Our MC has done well if we've loved, but we haven't done what we we're called to until we've shared about Jesus because we will slip into that pattern of not feeling the burden to tell other people about Jesus. And it's kind of like a snowball effect, at least for me. When I start sharing Jesus with one or two people, I also start sharing him with three or four, and five or six, or seven or eight. It seems to be like an all or nothing thing. I haven't really met anyone who just kind of does evangelism. You're either an evangelist, usually. Maybe you're different than me. This is just how I work. Or you become private and don't share. So the the first step, the first step to becoming an evangelist it's just start sharing with somebody. Just start with somebody. And you use and pray for the opportunities the Lord has given you. I don't I don't have time to share with, with you what that might look like tonight, what how to look for an open door, but I want to share with you in our podcast some techniques, some strategies for like how to turn a conversation towards Jesus and it not be super creepy and weird. And there are ways to do that. Um So when, one thing I want us to close by meditating on is that when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he purchased people from every tribe and nation and tongue and people group. And we need to remember, friends, that the Lamb of God will have the reward for which he died. Evangelism is worthwhile Because Jesus is worthy. The reason, the biggest reason we share with other people is not because it's their deepest need, although it is, and that is a great reason to share. There's even, even higher reason than that. There is a king who deserves their worship. Do you see that king? He deserves all kinds of different people to worship him. If only one kind of person worships him, if only a few people worship him, it's a pitiful reflection of his value. But if a whole group of people worship him, a multi-ethnic group of people worship him, if young and old worship him, if rich and poor worship him, then it reflects the value of that king. So friends, let's pray together that God would use us as his representatives to point people to him. Father in heaven, just like the early church, Lord, we pray for boldness to not be afraid of other people so that we can tell other people about Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask for everyone in this room that you'd break our hearts specifically for one person right now. Put someone on the minds and hearts of every person in this room to pray for tonight tomorrow and the day after. And then help us to share, Lord. Help us to share as an MC. Help us to share in our day-to-day life. And help us to do so with 100% confidence in you. And Lord, help us to remember and see how worthy you are. So that as we share, it is out of a passion that you would receive the worship you're worthy of and deserving of. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Just just take a few moments to pray and reflect with the Lord over the message I just shared. Um, More specifically, his word. His word, not my words. And just ask what sins he would convict you of. What things he would call you to. Whether or not he's calling you to himself if you have never met him. And if that's you, please, after the service, feel free to talk to me. Talk to any of our members. We'd be more than happy to speak with you about this Jesus.